Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. In this episode, I'm going to be ranting about the Browns, and I'm also going to be ranting about how Major League Baseball makes me want to jump off the roof of my house. So, yeah, enjoy. So first things first about the Browns. A handful of days ago, it was reported that the Browns and Miles Garrett have been in talks for a, a quote, mega extension uh, this summer. Now, Miles Garrett is on the fourth year of a five-year, of his five-year rookie deal, and his, the extension won't start until the 2022 season. Now, I just wanted to, like, take a look at, you know, what potentially that deal would look like. So, compared to... The highest paid defensive players, uh, Cleo Mack signed a six-year deal uh, when he got traded to the Bears. And I think it was uh, six years, $144 million, 90 of which was guaranteed, uh, 60 of which was guaranteed uh, at um, when he signed, which you know comes out to be about 22 about 23 million dollars uh, per year Aaron Donald he's about 21 million dollars a year when he signed his extension which was worth um like again a six-year deal uh, looking at it right now uh 86.8 million was guaranteed uh Von Miller uh when he signed his extension 70 70 uh, million was guaranteed um, Demarcus Lawrence, sixty-five million was guaranteed. Uh, Fletch- Fletcher Cox, uh, sixty-three million guaranteed. Frank Clark, sixty-two uh, million guaranteed. And then um, last off-season, uh, Trey Flowers of the Lions, uh, he signed up fifty-six million guaranteed. So you would have to assume that Miles Garrett would be around the top, would enter the top five. Um, if you want to argue, he should be number one, he should be, you know, number two, you know, whatever. Uh, deba- debate for yourself. It, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, a six-year deal would, you know, probably make the most sense. You know, looking how, you know, everybody, all these other players have, you know, uh, signed six-year deals. The amount, though, per year, that's where it could get, could get interesting. Because entering the 2020 season, or 2022 season, the Browns will have, let's see, $133 million in cap space. As, you know, it's, it's a rough estimate. Now, if... Let's just say, let's just super highball it and the Browns make Miles Garrett the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and they go twenty five million dollars guaranteed for, you know, six years. Or, you know, that's his contract, not twenty five million guaranteed, but you know, close to a hundred million dollars guaranteed and annually it works out to be uh twenty five million uh you know per year. That would be a hundred and eight ish million um still left 
uh, in salary cap. Now, going into the 2022 season, um, the Browns will have fifth-year options for Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. Um, I mean, we could all safely assume that those are going to get exercised uh, next offseason. But Nick Chubb would be a free agent um, because, you know, he was drafted in the second round and those contracts are only guaranteed for four years. So it it would be interesting um, unless the Browns tag him, unless the Browns, you know, end up um, signing him to an extension, which, it, I mean, at that point, the Browns are... They're going to be in an interesting situation because it's 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 rare, you know, on paper to sign a running back to a mega extension is inherently risky. You know, running backs are kind of a dime a dozen. We all know this. But there's a real possibility that the Browns will have to choose between someone like Landry or Odell and Nick Chubb kind of like how um you know the Vikings did I mean I know Stefan Diggs wanted out you know regardless but you know paying two high priced wide receivers in an offense that in theory you would that's gonna run the ball a lot use you know I mean, yeah, only really use two wide receivers, you know, regardless most of the time, which is what Stefanski did. Um, It's just, it'll be very interesting. It'll be very, very interesting. Now, with, but going back to the Miles Garrett, um, you know, potential extension. Is he worth it? Um, I think... No, go okay. Going back to his rookie year, he got hurt. He basically played on one leg the entire the entire year. The twenty eighteen season, right? Yeah, twenty eighteen season. He played, you know, extremely well. Um, at times, he's played maybe a little. I I mean I don't know. I want to. I don't want to say too aggressive, but how many times has he like, you know, lined up offsides or you know, you know stuff like that? And and then you know last year before the Mason Rudolph incident, you know, getting roughing the passer and personal foul penalties, and it's just like you know, oh, it's like oh my goodness, you know, you're you're you know you're hurting the team, and. Now I think you know all of us Browns fans, it, seeing what he did to Mason Rudolph, like fuck yeah, give him a, you know, twenty five million dollars a year, like he's fucking worth it. Just for that alone, you know, probably one of the greatest highlights in Cleveland Browns history. Like let's just be for real, it's it's that it's Turkey Jones spiking Terry Bradshaw, like. You know, if you're a diehard Browns fan, you just love to see someone in a Browns uniform just beat the shit out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So on t- like that alone, Miles Garrett's fucking worth it. But if we are having an honest conversation, Miles Garrett was Miles Garrett worth the number one overall pick? Now, in hindsight, you know Patrick Mahomes is probably is is the number one player in that draft. But Garrett is number two. And I mean, it was a consensus or a consensus that I I even just fucked up that word, but you know nobody was saying take Patrick Mahomes number one. People were fucking talking about taking Mr. Trubisky number one, and even that was a super long shot. And it was you know Browns fans getting worked up, you know, getting debated because. Old cousin Mitch Trubisky was, you know, from Menor, and he gets us. And I was kind of, you know, riding that wave too. Um, mostly, mostly the trade up from twelve to like five or six or whatever for for Trubisky. Um, not not take him number one overall. At least not being serious about it. You know, just more of the meme of it. Um, but it, but is Miles Garrett worth a? You know, being paid the highest, um, being paid, being the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, more than Khalil Mack, more than Aaron Donald. I mean, if you're if you're going off potential, I think there's a extremely uh, good argument for it. But the play on the field, at times. I mean, and I don't know. It's just it's super tough because the Browns haven't had a lot of talent around him. Like last year, you know, Sheldon Richardson was was super was was probably the the MVP of the Browns defense last year. Um, but outside of like you know Larry Okunjobi, his rookie year was solid, and then in twenty eighteen. Um, he showed flashes, but like, you know, he's kind of, you know, been a disappointment. Um, Olivier Vernon on the opposite side last year, I I know he got hurt. And I know that how he affects the game doesn't always um, show up in the in the stats. You, you got to actually watch the game to kind of see like, oh, he's getting double teamed. Oh, like they're running away from him, you know, but it's 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 just it's just super tough. It's just super tough. Like I don't know. It's not my money. Um the one good thing about the Browns and their regime is I know for a fact they're not going to tank the the salary cap. Unlike old uh unlike good old boy uh buddy boy John Dorsey, you know, giving uh Terrence Mitchell and um, T.J. Carey like so much money, and you know signing all of his boys from Kansas City. You know it's uh, th- the Browns aren't gonna tank their salary cap, and that you know that's awesome. Just just to be relieved, you know. Now is the front office gonna p- always pick the right players? You know that's. To be determined, obviously, but 
but knowing that they're going to always like set themselves up for a bright future in order to you know keep the team competitive even once they have to um start paying all of our you know all of our guys that's that's inherently a good thing now talking about you know improving the team um Jadavion Clowney and that situation with the Browns. Now, it's been, you know, speculated, or not really speculated, but, you know, it, it's it been, it hasn't been a secret that the Browns have wanted Jadavion Clowney this entire offseason. And it's been speculated that the Browns offered Clowney a one-year deal worth about $15 million. Now, obviously, Clowney playing on a I think he was playing on a um a franchise tag tag last year um you know he he obviously wants a long-term deal um he obviously wants to be in Seattle or Tennessee because you know you know kind of speculating the Browns I mean that's what they're offering right now but it seemed like the Browns offered Clowney a multi-year deal um you know probably worth about 15 to 17 million dollars uh Jadavian or not yeah Jadavian for Jadavian County um Olivier Vernon is getting paid 17 million dollars like right now and the Browns have about 37 38 million dollars in cap space so signing uh Clowney for this year isn't isn't an issue and it really isn't uh, an issue for next year it's if you because Clowney wants a, a you know a Trey Flowers like deal you know signing him you know for multiple years giving you know giving him guaranteed money probably isn't the best um way to allocate the the cap resources um now, if it's like a three-year deal, we all know in the NFL, because contracts aren't gar- fully guaranteed, that three- or four-year deals are really like two-year deals. And, you know, you can always – there's always outs in, in those types of contracts. And if the Browns kind of do what they do with uh, Jack Conklin, which is give them a whole bunch of money up front and then in the back end um, not really worry about it and have a – smaller cap hit uh I think that's probably the best way to I mean it's the best way to go if you're the Browns is it the best way to go if you're Jadavion Clowney you know maybe I I don't know it's Clowney's always been an interesting player because he was drafted number one overall in 2014 um he's nowhere near the the best uh defensive player in that draft you know the guys I literally just listed talking about Miles uh, uh, Garrett. You know Cleo Mack was drafted fifth overall, got paid ninety million dollars a year. I think Aaron Donald was like fourteenth overall. He just signed a contract, um, an extension for eighty six point eight million dollars guaranteed. Cleo um, uh, Mack was ninety million guaranteed. Uh, Fletcher, I think Fletcher uh, Cox was in that. Um, in that draft too, I think it was like eleventh or twelfth overall, and uh, you know he signed an extension like sixty three million guaranteed. Um, so 
but I mean, Jadavion Clowney, you know, it was a lot of hype, um, mostly because of that one play against Michigan. Um, has he been a, a really productive NFL player? Absolutely. Um, he probably doesn't, you know, he doesn't get to the quarterback as much um, as I think we all expected him to. Um, but he's super great on the run, you know, against the run. And to pair him on the opposite side of Miles Garrett, um, and then kind of switching in and out Olivier Vernon um, and Sheldon Richardson and uh, Larry Okunjobi at times, I think, I mean, if the Browns are able to pull it off, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, there's, there's... there's no reason why the Browns shouldn't do that, um, but it really, but it comes down to what Jadavion Clowney wants. Um, it seems like he doesn't really want to be in Cleveland, but if the market kind of forces, you know, its hand and, you know, Clowney ends up in Cleveland, like hell yeah, you know, nobody's gonna, um, you know, nobody's gonna be mad about it. Nobody's gonna get worked into a shoot about it. I mean, I'm sure some idiot on Brown's Twitter will, but you know, that's that's irrelevant. Um, just trying to think what, and I mean, it's a it's a good thing. Um, I mean, it's always a good thing to add depth, especially on the uh, defensive or defensive line. Uh, you know, they already signed uh, Claiborne to a one year deal to. Uh, Kind of be a a third uh, third down uh, pass uh, pass rushing uh, specialist, um, but really it's it's a, another insurance for Olivier Vernon who, you know, he's basically injury prone, um, and even you know, at times, you know Miles Garrett, you know you don't always have to. Um, not saying he's injury prone, but you don't have to always rely on. Garrett every single down to be that um, disruptor and I think that's where a lot of the issues the past few years defensively have you know have come there hasn't been a lot of talent on the defensive line to you know outside of Miles Garrett and, I mean, Sean Richardson was was really good last year, but outside of those two guys, um, you know, just consistent pressure on all sides, and you know because you know Vernon got hurt, um, and then you know scheme wise, the last handful of years, uh, someone like uh, Greg Williams would just completely sub out the defensive the defensive line. You know, it it was literally like, okay, you know, first team in, and then, all right, second team in for this entire drive, and, you know, Miles Garrett's, you know, on the sideline. It's like, wait, what are you, what are you doing? Like, give him a couple plays off, all right, cool, but, you know, like, get him back out there. And then, you know, Steve Wilkes, or, uh, yeah, Steve Wilkes last year was just god-awful, just god-awful. I still say... As much as the Browns' offense was just a giant headache and, you know, basically playing backyard football on a professional football field, there's no reason to lose the games they did. Um, 
you know, losing week one against Marcus Mariota, basically throwing screens to uh, Derrick Henry, um, losing to Denver against a, a starting quarterback who's never started in the NFL, um, and just getting gassed in, like, the first, you know, the first half. Uh, I think, like, the the one tight end broke, a, like, a 60-yard touchdown, if I remember correctly. Um, losing to Doug Hodges, you know, in Pittsburgh. Um, it's just, you know, giving up the leads against Seattle, like, giant leads that they had. You know, can't, you know, you need a fucking stop. Apologies, my dogs, you know, outside barking. Um, you know, you need a fucking stop, and you just can't get it. I I just, and then, you know, Kyler Murray, losing to him, um, losing to, you know, and even losing the last game of the year, you know, to, to, uh, the Bengals, it's just, just god-awful, god-awful defensive, you know, defensive play calling, the scheme, you know, everything top to bottom, so, sorry, my little rant, but Clowney and how he fits on the Browns, I'm all for it, um, it it doesn't hurt anything, you know, cap-wise, you're, you're still set up really well, you know, going forward, um, and even, even if there's a slight hit on that, you know, because I'm looking at that, that 2022 season, 2023 season when, you know, the 2022 season, like I said, you know, you, you have to start paying Miles Garrett, like a legitimate, you know, huge deal. And then you start, um, you know, David Njoku, you got to start paying him. Um, yeah, I think that was. Trying to think of the draft class and who's still on the on the team. I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah, because they took the other first round pick was uh, Jibril Peppers, and then in the second round they took Kaiser. So yeah, I think off the top of my head, that's it. Who's gonna get paid on the Browns um, for that twenty twenty two season, and then that twenty twenty three season? That's when you gotta start paying. Baker, a ridiculous fucking deal because he's a quarterback. Um, you're gonna have to start. You're gonna pay Denzel Ward because, you know, statistically he's been he's been great, and you know, injury prone. I mean, two freak concussions his rookie year, and then a hamstring injury last year, but. You know, is that because of how they are practicing? You know, him and greedy. You know, that's just it's just super weird that both of your starting corners get hurt, like to start the year. Like, it's like what a weird year last year was. Super weird. So maybe we just you know chalk that up to a fluke injury. Um, so may maybe. May, I think, I think time will tell for you know putting the injury uh, prone label on Denzel Ward. Uh, this year is 
will be a approved year for that. Um, because when he's on the field playing, he's statistically one of the better defensive uh, defensive backs in the league. And like I said, scheme-wise last year, the Browns ran a lot of zone. And I think this year, especially, you know, with the signings of, um, you know, I think they signed Kevin Johnson, who's a, a kind of like a nickel corner from the, uh, I think he was with the Bills, informally of the Texans. Um, you know, it kind of forces Denzel to like, hey, you follow this guy the entire game, you just lock him up, and, you know, we'll kind of scheme everything around that. Um, you know, Greedy, I expect him to have a, a super good year this year. Because they're gonna be, they're actually gonna be playing to, um, you know, their strengths, and I mean that. I mean that's super important. It, I, I can't stress that enough. You would think that, you know, every all these coaches want to rewrite, re, not rewrite, but reinvent the wheel. They want, they want, or they want their guys in you know you know on their team to like I'm trying to find the words for it but you know they want their guys for their scheme but then their scheme doesn't even work out half the time so it's like why not you have talented players on a team this is for any team not just the Browns but you have talented guys on a team so why don't you actually build an offense and a defense around the talent that you have instead of you know this is my this is my scheme you know we're we're just gonna run it and it is what it is and you know the players better adjust now it does I mean it does help out that Stefanski and his offense, um, you know, fit Baker, uh, Baker's strengths, you know, immensely, you know, with all the two, uh, with all the two tight end sets, a lot of the zone runnings, which, uh, Nick Chubb should just feast on, and so should Kareem Hunt, um, yeah, so, I, I, Again, I told you it was going to be a rant, and I'm ranting, and, you know, I don't even, I kind of lost track of what I was going to say, but uh, I I did want to touch on uh, Baker Mayfield coming out on social media and saying he was going to, you know, kneel for the national anthem, and this might be the only time I get kind of political on crunch time with Kaylin, Um, but I, I, I think... It's always a great thing when, you know, people are exercising their First Amendment rights. Um, I I think it's weird that people are criticizing not just him, but any player who who protests, uh, whatever the cause is, uh, because protesting is one it's it's the most american thing you can do and if you 
if if you're just gonna you know be an ass and just be like oh i'm not supporting the browns anymore or i'm not supporting xyz player because you know they're standing up you know for what they believe in like like that's fucking ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous but then you know what you got to be consistent too so don't you know don't be coming back when the browns you know are are eventually good and they're in the playoffs and you know when you you're going to abandon them when it's it's like the you know when when they need the most support not not just not just the players but like the movements that they support you're going to abandon them but like you're you're just going to you know blindly support you know all these other people like i don't know it's just it's just very strange to me and you know it it starts with you know it it started with um Andrew Hawkins wearing the the justice for Tamir Rice uh shirt uh I think it was back in 2014 um which i was again i was all for um i was all for Colin Kaepernick doing what he did hell i was for the browns fucking signing Colin Kaepernick you know if you if you look at through my tweets the hashtag cap and CLE um there's so many tweets you know it was my like little twitter name for a long time you know i'm a huge fan of colin kaepernick um really the only i think i think there was two things you could make the argument um kaepernick kind of messed up on uh the optics of like the pig socks you know debate your aunt karen on facebook about it i i don't care um but the i th- i think it was a a Malcolm X shirt with Fidel Castro the week he was playing the Miami Dolphins in Miami i think that's kind of extremely distasteful um especially what Castro did to the Cubans and you know Miami being a huge uh, area of a lot of those refugees, um, who had to live through the, the tyranny of, you know, that government, I think, I think that's really where he, you know, fucked up, um, but other than that, off the top of my head, you know, he's, he's standing up for what he believes in, and at the basic principle I don't see how anybody can, you know, can knock it because it, like I said, it's the most American thing you can do. And I just think it's always super important to, you know, stand up for what you believe in and also be super consistent about, you know, what you believe in. Now, that being said, have I, I'm sure I've made jokes about X, Y, and Z. So, you know, you're going to come cancel me, you know, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. Um, but yeah, I, I did want to mention that and, um, on a, on a, on a lighter note and I'll end with this, uh, major league baseball, 
Jesus Christ. You guys are awful. The owners are fucking awful in Major League Baseball. And it makes me so sad. Because growing up, baseball was my number one sport. I loved the Indians. I loved baseball. You know, I could... I mean, I could still rant off fucking random, you know, lineups from random teams in, you know, 20... Or, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006. Like, like I was just so ingrained in baseball. Like... It's it's all I ever wanted to do. Like, I dreamed of being a baseball player, you know. And just the, the, the politics that, that go through it, once you kind of, you know, kind of learn about the history of the sport and why, you know, there was, an, there was a stoppage in 94 when it could have set up a potential Cleveland Indians, Montreal Expos, World Series, like what and why in in uh, 95 they only played 144 games which is just still crazy that the Indians won 100 games out of 144 games um clinching the playoffs uh the the central like September 3rd I think in in 95 um but like just just how fucking awful MLB ownership is and you have this fucking idiot Rob Manford the fucking commissioner like what a fucking joke now weirdly enough you know because I just kind of ranted about you know politics and everything but like the optics of basically telling the Indians that you can have an all-star game but you have to get rid of Chief Wahoo like what it's it, optically, it's weird. Now you want to again. You want to argue whether the Indians should get rid of Chief Wahoo. Again, debate your aunt Karen and Uncle Al on Facebook. I don't give a fuck. But just the optics of it, when you fucking tell, when you fucking say you're the commissioner of uh, of a league, and you call a tr- uh the the fucking trophy, the commissioner's trophy, the World Series trophy, a piece of metal. What? That's what some fucking troll says on the internet that who hates baseball or likes, you know, get baseball fans worked into a shoot set, you know, would say about the fucking trophy, you know, about the the title. Not the fucking commissioner. Like, what? What? Like, what is wrong with you? You know, you completely botched this situation with the Astros. And now it's, you know, reported that he, he basically hushed a you know, um, uh, um, uh, another cheating scandal with, with the Yankees. Now I'm not super familiar with it. Um, it's kind of retweeted on my timeline a few days ago, but it seems like you covered that up. So you have the Astros blatantly cheating. I mean, blatantly, like, let's just be, keep it, keep it a buck. Um, it's just the Red Sox were cheating. It's just it's just so awful. It is so awful. And then you just completely diminish the integrity of your fucking sport. Number one, you like what are you doing? And then you come out last week and you say there's a hundred percent chance you're gonna play baseball. A hundred percent chance. You send your offer to the to the players association which is just the fucking same offer 
that you that you've been uh offering them it's just how many fucking games they play and at what percent you know so for example if you if you haven't really seen um the proposals the players want like 89 games and 100% of their prorated salary now the MLB wants to basically give them you know now they'll offer them like 80 games but like 80% of their you know of their salary okay well the players obviously don't want that they you know they want all their money so then you know base you know major league baseball and the owners come back well what about 50 games and 100 percent of you know your salary well that still works out to the same amount of money that they would have gotten if they played 80 games so you're just giving the same monetary value just less amount of games now imagine a 50 game fucking uh season 50 games you know how many teams you know, get off to a hot start in April and May, and then you have like the you know. Okay, just just think about this. Back in twenty eleven, the Indians were in first place in like May twenty second, I think. Like they were like thirty and fifteen. The twenty eleven Indians, the World Series champions of last year, the Washington Nationals were 19 and 31 at one point. What? That's 50 games. The World Series champions would have not made the playoffs if if they just play 50 games. That's why baseball's so finicky. That's why you can't fucking play 50 games. And the issue now is that Manfred just said, I think it was yesterday, that he doesn't ex- he he doesn't see he doesn't expect uh, baseball to be played this year. Like, what? Three days changes the entire outlook of a season of a potential season. Three days, and in reality, what the the owners are doing. They're just they're just playing the waiting game, so that when when you know trying to explain it and trying to think it uh, think about it off the top of my head, in order for them to to fit you know ninety games eighty games in, the season's gonna have to start around the middle of July, in order to go to like the end of October or you know the middle of October. Now, to get that 50 games in, the owners, all they have to do is wait until August, basically. And that's exactly what they're doing. And then they're just going to give another, you know, just I, I just can't wrap my head around a 50-game Major League Baseball season. At that point, don't even fucking play. Because it's just going to be another asterisk in the record books when it comes to a World Series championship. Imagine, imagine, you know, I'm just trying to think of a team off the top of my head who, like, like this, like the Padres, like on paper, like, are they, like, should they be good? Like, they should be, they should be all right. 
but imagine if they get it, uh, you know, into a hot, yeah, they start off super hot, and the Dodgers kind of like are like a little meh, and they don't make the playoffs, but the Padres do. Like what? Because they only played fifty games. Like what? Like what are you doing? You you you're just a fucking like. This gives me a fucking headache, and literally makes me want to just jump off the fucking you know. Really, what makes me want to jump off the roof is thinking about next year and how the collective bargaining, uh, their collective bargaining agreement is up, and if they can't fucking agree to you know how they're gonna you know if they're gonna play this year. There, there's no way that there, there's baseball next year. There's no way. There's going to be so much animosity trying to collectively bargain for next year and, you know, going forward, which is why the players aren't going to give a, give an inch uh, because it's going to look bad on them. This isn't just a this year thing or a next year thing. This is like the next 10 year, 10, 11 years um, and how it's going to affect, you know, the state of baseball and the ownerships. You know, they want a salary cap, but that's not going to happen, which is, I mean, just like, imagine a salary cap. Now, in theory, should sports probably have it? Yeah, because, you know, Manny Machado getting paid fucking $300 million a year or, you know, not a year, but like $300 million for like 10 years. Like what? Like Manny Machado. Um, But that being said, you know, you have teams like the Pirates who you know, are, are fielding a, a team of, you know, a, a 26-man roster, but are paying, like, $55 million in 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 salary? Like, like what? You know, you have the Rays, who just are literally the, the bottom end of the fucking salary every year. Like, what? You know, you have the Indians, who... You know, if they if they fucking sign Francisco Lindor to what he's worth, you know, their their con their their total salary will go up to like a hundred and twenty million, which is like ranked eighteenth, but they're right now like twenty fifth because they're only like eighty four million and they're supposed to be contenders, like what? But they're all revenue like, but all these teams are getting paid because of revenue sharing, and. You know, it was just reported that TBS and Major League Baseball just agreed on like a billion dollar deal. But please tell me how the Indians can't afford Francisco Lindor. You know, the most, the most marketable baseball player that you've had in Cleveland in in a while. Um, you know, probably since Jim Tomey, and we know how that went. Um, you know, they let Omar walk uh, because they were rebuilding. Um, they let Manny Ramirez walk. They traded CeCe Sabathia, but again, that ended up working out, getting Brantley. Um, you know, they had to trade Bartolo Colon, but that in turn, that in turn helped them get uh, Cliff Lee, and, you know, they got Grace Sizemore and Brandon Phillips and Lee Stevens from that trade. But, you know, they get Cliff Lee, they trade Cliff Lee to Philly, and they get a guy named Carlos Carrasco. So a trade that they made back in 2002 is still paying dividends in 2020. So that's, again, it's interesting. And I mean, and again, credit to the front office of, of the Indians. You know, they're doing the best that they can. 
But at the same time, when ownership wants to fucking cut payroll and you fucking trade a two-time Cy Young award-winning pitcher in Corey Kluber, who had a you know a rough year last year and gets hurt on a freak fucking play and misses the entire year, um, and you fucking trade him for Emmanuel Class A, who's, you know, you know, he has the potential to be a, a shutdown eighth inning, ninth inning pitcher for the Indians for a long time. Um, but he pisses hot and has a serve of eighty game suspension. So he has, so if they don't play this year and they don't play next year, he's gonna have to serve a suspension that happened this year. In, for two years, like in in two years, like what, like what, and then you, and 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 then you know, uh, Delano De Shields, who, you know, I just, he's statistically one of the worst fucking hitters in the league. Like what? Just a cut salary. You couldn't get anybody else. And to cut salary for what? Who do they get this year? Oh, they got fucking Cesar Hernandez. Oh boy. Cool. He's a switch hitter. He could play second base. He doesn't have he doesn't hit for power. Um he hits for average. You know, two eighty ish. Um but at that point, if you're gonna pay him seven million dollars a year, well, like why not just bring back Jason Kipnis for, for one year? You know, just give him a minor league deal, which is weird, like, they that they just didn't do that. You know, they just let him walk. Like, what? Like, you could feel 26 people on a roster now, but you don't want to give Jason Kipnis, like, $3 million? Like that, like, that doesn't make any sense. He literally signed for the bare minimum for, you know, in Chicago. Like, I, gotta, I don't know. I don't know. You know, why don't we just move Jose Ramirez to second base and get a legitimate third baseman? Not saying Jose Ramirez isn't a legitimate third baseman, but I just think where he fits the best is at second base. You know, he he was brought up as as a middle infielder. Um, you know, if if you remember back in twenty fourteen to start the year or twenty fifteen to start the year. Um, you know, because the Indians traded Jubal Cabrera back in 2014 um, to start the year. Jose Ramirez was the starting shortstop uh, f- for that first, like, month, month and a half. And then, uh, you know, he's struggled immensely. And, uh, that you know, that's when they brought up um, uh, Lindor in June. I just always thought, you know, Jose Ramirez playing second base was just... A, a way better fit anyway and then um eventually you know you have nolan jones uh, playing third base f- for your future for your future so signing you know you already signed jose ramirez to an extension that's super cheap now like good god but having you know maybe even a little bit of overpaying uh francisco lindor because you have to to, to just to keep your own talent just for the optics of it and I mean, it's not like, it's not like these owners, you know, they're bitching about how, oh, they can't pay these guys a salary, but like, you're the ones who are offering these, this contract, like these crazy contracts, like you're the one who's offering Garrett Cole all this money, you're the one who's offering Manny Machado all this money, 
you know, it just it just doesn't make any sense. Nobody's nobody's forcing these teams to to just give all this money to all these players. Now is Mike Trout worth whatever he's worth? Hell yeah, because he's le- he's legitimately he's gonna go down as the greatest baseball player of all time. So whatever he's worth, he's worth. But like all these other guys that are getting these giant deals, like like I just said, like Manny Machado, like is he worth it? Like what? Like is Eric Hosmer worth? You know, I'm because just think about the Padres. Like is he worth a? seven-year, $165 million deal? Fuck no. Like, nobody's forcing these teams to just spend out their ass. But why not just, like, have this blank kind of, like, salary cap? Like, like for each team, you know what I mean? But it just, it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. I just don't understand, like, how are you going to, in how are you going to in December and January say, you know, go negotiate with, with with a player and go, we want you, you know, we think you're the reason we could um make a World Series or something and we're gonna give you all this money and then now because of X, Y, and Z, oh yeah, we're not gonna pay you. We're just gonna pay you a f- extremely f- small fraction of what you originally agreed on and then on top of that take another fucking pay cut like what like it it just makes no sense it just makes no fucking sense and i I probably ranted about it on my you know my other uh mlb rant but it's just like it just gives me a fucking headache it just it, it the like the politics of baseball is just it's just the most frustrating thing in the world it's just the most frustrating thing in the world and it's going to turn off a lot of fans which is a shame because there's so much talent in the league and if just the, the MLB you know gets their head out of their ass and actually starts you know promoting players like they should like the irony of like what last year and like the year before the whole let the kids play and then now it's just like yeah but we're not gonna play this year because of you know x y and z you know we're gonna get hung up on on money even though all these fucking owners are fucking you know rich as hell it just it just doesn't make any sense because again none of these nobody forced any of these owners and these front offices to but it's it's really the owners because I mean the front office I mean if you have the money to spend you're gonna spend it. You know, it's it's just that simple. Um but nobody forced these owners to you know pay these you know all these guys crazy amount of money because there's no salary cap. Like I just like thinking in hindsight like you know, I was like, oh, man, that Alex Rodriguez deal is going to be awful, like, in a handful, you know, at the end of his career. And it was. And it was. Oh, that Miguel Cabrera deal is going to be awful because it is. Um, especially now, you know, he doesn't really hit for power anymore. And he's got, like, I think four or five year, years left on his contract. And he's already, uh, 
it actually might be even more, but, but he's already like 36, and I think it, the contract goes to he's like 41 or 42. Uh, same thing with Albert Pujols, you know, signing with the Angels at like, for, for I think it was like 10 years, 270 million dollars, I think, if I remember off the top of my head, or something around there. Um, but again, at 31, 32 years old, like, and now, you know, now he's just slow and, you know, barely hits for average. You know, still has some pop, but again, nobody's forcing these teams to sign all these extensions. But it's, but like, but at the same time, you have guys like, you know, Francisco Lindor, who's, you know, I think he's like 26, 27. So signing him to a 10 year deal worth, you know, 330 million dollars like that should be worth it even if at the end of even at the end when he's like 36 37 like okay maybe he just moves over to second base if he does still doesn't have the range or he's just super talented and can you know will be winning gold gloves like Omar was doing in with the Giants at 36 37 years old back in you know the mid 2000s so it's just, it's just super, I don't know, it's just super frustrating. Again, apologies for doggo barking in the background. Um, it's just super frustrating as a baseball fan and as someone who just loves the game, but just hates the politics of it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just very sad. It's just very sad because, but, but it's also to be expected, you know, just knowing the history of the league. So, I appreciate you guys listening to me rant about the Browns in Major League Baseball. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CaitlinNoCLE. Um, yeah, and I will uh, see you in the next episode.